In 2000, my husband, Governor Mel Carnahan, and Senator John Ashcroft were locked in an epic battle for the U.S. Senate seat in Missouri. Within three weeks of the general election, the plane carrying my husband, my oldest son, and a longtime staffer crashed into a wooded hillside near St. Louis. All three were killed instantly. When my husband was elected posthumously, I took his place in the U.S. Senate during one of the most troubled times in our nation's history. More misfortune was to come 11 months later. My farmhouse, which I had called home for 27 years, was struck by lightning and burned. Two days after that, as I sorted through the rubble, I received word that our country had been attacked by terrorists. Pieces of the airplane that struck the Pentagon had floated down onto my car parked in Pentagon City. After the 9-11 attacks, Capitol Hill was more like Bunker Hill as we geared up for whatever might come next. Like every other senator, I now had a government-issued gas mask in my desk drawer, and I knew the secret place to assemble should we be forced to evacuate the Capitol quickly. During the weeks following the anthrax mailings to my Senate office building, I found out more about chemical and biological agents than I wanted to know. When we were displaced during the two-month cleanup, it took a heap of patience and a touch of humor to operate an office scattered over three locations. The heightened security, the bomb scares, and the evacuations added yet another layer of anxiety on top of the hectic senatorial and campaign schedules. In the midst of all the chaos, my own sadness melded with that of our nation. I was taught to believe that all our wounds and woes come with blessings attached, that uncovering the blessing is part of the healing. In my search, I found solace in some enduring and irrefutable truths, such as the old Cornish proverb I used as the title of this book. I adopt other truths for chapter titles as I reflect on such topics as childhood, tradition, values, memories, encouragement, loss, forgiveness, faith, language, doubt, marriage, change, aging, liberty, questioning, family secrets, grief, optimism, patience, poverty, patriotism, and the future. Writing these homilies has been an extraordinary heartwarming adventure. Oftentimes, my thoughts bubbled up like spring water and spilled onto the page amid falling tears. Other times, my impish muse would come up with a sentence of Shakespearean quality when, unfortunately, I was in the checkout line at the supermarket or drifting into the twilight zone late at night. There's something about soaking in a steamy hot bath that causes words to ooze from my pores. I keep a pencil near, but too often, no paper. I have discovered that the Italian tiles surrounding my tub make a perfect chalkboard for a phrase I want to preserve. The words of the prophets may be written on the subway wall, but mine are scrawled on the bathroom wall. I try to transcribe them before the cleaning woman arrives. She and Mr. Clean once removed my outline for an entire chapter with a single stroke. Still, I was not to be deterred. Samuel Johnson said, A man will turn over half a library to make a book. I contend that a woman will turn over a whole library, scour a hard drive, and unsettle a household or two in order to write a book. Writing about family caused such intense reverie that I was frequently sidetracked by urges to hunt down lost relatives, label old photos, or force my grandkids to listen to tales of my youth. When I wrote of faith, I voiced the enduring beliefs that have sustained me during times of disaster and heartbreak.
The chapters on freedom allowed me to do a little flag-waving, which is permitted to those in my age bracket. I questioned our leaders, expressed my political allegiance to the Democratic Party, and relived those years during World War II when patriotism was our common virtue.